Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, it's the Birds of Life Sunday School on Sunday morning, July 3rd. And it's the Independence Day weekend. We're starting a new topic today. It should be only a, this topic will be only a few weeks. But it's a very important topic and it's a very important thing that we need to learn about and put into practice. This topic is intercessory prayer for salvation of loved ones. And on the website, it, the title will be shortened to Intercession for Salvation on the audio talks. What is intercessory prayer? The term intercession literally means to come upon, to meet with, to come between. Basically, intercessory prayer is standing in the gap through prayer between a person or persons and God to hold back judgment. It is to represent Jesus as the most precious, perfect intercessor who stood in the gap for us, died on the cross, and now intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. As we are made in the physical image and spiritual likeness of God, we are to stand in the gap for others. Christ is the head, we are the body. The head and body are one. We are one with Him in carrying out His work in the earth. We are one with Jesus in His intercessory ministry, which includes prayer, and we are one with him in his ministry of reconciliation. We are to pray from hearts of love, concern, and compassion. Follow the love commandment with a true, genuine heart and right motive, if we expect results. We must also persevere. We do not always see immediate results, but God's word does not return void. Results may be in his timing, and we may be just one link in a chain to the results, but God has his plan. Now we're going to start a segment today on our authority as intercessors. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. So these scriptures are going to establish us in our authority. Okay. okay. Um, do you have that there, Ed? Yeah. 617, right? Yes. But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him, shunned immortally, and all sexual looseness flee from impurity in thought, word, 
or D, any other sin which a man commits is one outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You can read down the 20 since you started into that segment. Do Let's finish it. Do you not know that your body is a temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price purchased with a precious and paid for, made in his own, so that honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Okay, so that all ties back to the thoughts that I presented when we opened this. Uh, we are one body. We are the temple and the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. We're one body in Christ. Head and body are one. We are one with Him in carrying out His work. And we need to present ourselves uh, acceptable in doing His work. It's like we talked about um, in the worship service this morning. We're to follow Him and if we're going to follow Jesus and, and, and try to lead other people into knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus and serving Him, then we need to set the example. So we need to realize that our bodies are the temple. And that includes our minds, our thoughts, words, deeds, everything that's part of living here in the natural world. And at the same time, living in the spiritual world. So we need to keep ourselves uh, as a good uh, example of how to live united with the Lord and being in one spirit with Him. And verse 19 specifically says, you are not your own. So when God calls you to do the work of intercession, then we should learn how to do it effectively and persevere in carrying out his his work here on earth we need to be his his hands his feet and his voice and we need to keep that line of prayer and and close communication open on behalf of ourselves and of others we can't just keep it all the goodness for ourselves but we're to do it for others and then honor God and bring glory to God in all of it okay Ephesians 5 verse 30 I'll just read that because it's just a couple words for we are members of his body his body okay and then 1 Corinthians you can just uh, flip back to chapter 12 verse 27 Okay. You want to read that, Taylor? Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Okay. Now the Amplified really expands on that. Um, now you, now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of each. Uh, are members of it each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. Okay. So he does give us different gifts, different purposes, different paths to take, and we're all to function as well as we can with this 
guidance of the Holy Spirit, each of us individually doing our part as part of the service of the whole. But we're all called to intercession. So then let's go to 1 Timothy. Go back towards uh, before Hebrews. You have Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay, and Jill, uh, first read verses 1 through 4, and then jump to verse 8. First of all, then, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life, and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. For such praying is good and right, and it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior, who wishes all men to be saved and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. I'll tell you what, why don't you just read clear down through verse 8. Okay. Looking at that, let's just read it all. Okay. For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, a fact that was, attested to at the right and proper time. And on this matter I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, special messenger, and I am speaking the truth in Christ. I do not falsely, when I say this, a teacher of the Gentile in the realm of faith and truth. I desire therefore that in every place men should pray without anger or quarreling or resentment or doubt in their minds, lifting up holy hands. Uh, let me just read 1 through 4 and then 8 in the NIV. I urged then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. So right there he's declaring that he wants it made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So there again, that ties back to our verse about being the temple the true sanctuary for God here on earth. Uh, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So right there's our marching orders. He wants all men to be saved and he's gonna, he wants us to help him in this mission. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. So Christ Jesus laid the foundation and made it possible for people to be saved. He's the one true intercessor 
He's the first. Yes. He is the first. And then we are made in his image and likeness, so we are to become like him and do as he does. Who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Any comments on that? Well, we because don't want to keep ties reading together. that chapter, that's all no, I can say. That all ties <laughs> together, but that all relates back as to our authority and how we stand uh, in Christ Jesus in this office of intercession. Of intercession. I think the important thing to get out of this isn't that there are uh, rules or restrictions, but that prayer is um, pleasing and acceptable to Christ, and that we need to intercede for other people. It's, it's not just enough that people do it on their own. Everyone needs help, and only Christ was able to do it himself, but we need we need the help of others to pray for us. And it's that three-fold three cord that binds mm -hmm. that makes prayer more effective. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sorry to make you jump back and forth, but I wanted to put this in a progressive order. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Okay, verses 18 through 21. Ed? But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ re 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 reconciled us to himself in favor brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by the word indeed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. If it was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor him with himself not counting up and holding against men their trespasses but canceling them and committing them to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favor. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor not offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ virtue to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we might become endured with the views as being in examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his good by his goodness. I like your Bible's um, divine favor. Mine says only reconciliation, but it doesn't say divine favor, so I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. And that means when he reconciled us, he brought us into favor with him, brought us into harmony with him, and then 
gave us the ministry of reconciliation that through our words and deeds and the way that we present ourselves to others that we can help bring those other people into harmony, into reconciliation with him. And God himself personally in Christ set up the standard. He was the first. This, this was the first. He's, he's the standard that we go by. And so we have to have forgiveness in our hearts in the strength of the Lord. We must have commitment and stand on the belief that others should be saved and they could be saved if we go out and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead others into Christ uh, to Christ and into salvation we're just leaders mm -hmm. we and intercessors we're intercessors yes at, at some point you know I thought it's, it's Christ in us doing yeah, the work save somebody and I one pastor said you're not responsible for their Savior, yeah. your, their salvation. It, it's an important distinction in yes. the semantics. We're not doing the saving. And it's tempting to say, oh, when I went out and talked to so-and-so and, and saved their soul. Well, no, you didn't do the saving. Right. You provided the voice for the Holy Spirit to work. And it's Christ that did the saving, the Holy Spirit talking through you that led the person into salvation. We lead them into it. We don't do the saving. We lead people into salvation. And, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to get a little prideful. Well, oh, well, I went out and saved so many souls. No, you didn't. Um, what you did is you were the hands, feet, and voice of the Holy Spirit, and you led people into salvation through Jesus Christ. So there is an important distinction there, and we have to be well aware of it and give the glory to God, because God is the author and finisher of the entire plan of salvation. And Jesus made it happen because he did what his father asked him to do. Mm -hmm. So um, we are, verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors, and God makes his appeal through us. We are the personal representatives of Christ. And when we intercede, we are um, setting things up for the divine favor and reconciliation between those who are not born again and God so that they can be led into salvation. Now it says, through him we might become endued with, that means empowered. We are given what is necessary and empowered uh, and uh, to become examples of righteousness and empowered to lead others into the righteousness of God. And it says in verse 21 that uh, we ought to be, we are to be what we are to be, approved and acceptable and in right relationship with, with God. And it's through his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness. You go on and on and on about all of what God is. Talk about the essence well, of God and really his goodness. it's really hard to be an intercessor if you don't hang on to the 
covenant anyway. So right. And that's why we spent 18 months talking about praying the promises of God because we covered all those important areas. You can't think you're going to just get down and pray for a couple hours and be effective. You have to know your authority. You need to know that you're in the likeness and image, who you are in Christ. You need to know about what salvation is and what it involves. How do you become saved? You have to understand covenant because salvation is for God's covenant people. Yes. Uh, you, you step into a, a, an awesome covenant with God when you receive the salvation through Christ. And there are a lot of aspects to praying effective, to being the effective prayer of a righteous man. So, you know, it's just not a, an offhand thing to say, uh, we need to be prayer warriors. Well, how do you become a prayer warrior? How do you become an intercessor? Well, this is how you build the foundation and the understanding and the knowledge of the scriptures so you can be effective. So, you know, I'll keep pounding on these same topics because if you don't get it, you're not going to be effective. Right. And all the, it's just amazing when you start going through all these verses how they all interrelate and tie together. There is not one wasted word in this Bible. No. And it all interrelates. It's just being able to to learn how to connect the dots. So, Jesus paid the ultimate price to give eternal life to mankind. Do not let the Messiah's death be in vain. Carry out the Great Commission as part of the body of Christ. Pray intercession for the salvation of all lost souls and stand in the gap for those that you love by standing on God's word and by the blood of Jesus. Pray and do all this in love according to the new commandment given by Jesus in John 13, verse 34. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about being in Jesus. Uh, let's go to John, Gospel of John, chapter 15. Okay, Taylor, uh, would you read 7 through 17? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know that what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, 
that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Jesus is the true vine, we are the branches. If we remain in him and his words remain in us, we may ask and will receive. We are to be his disciples and bear good fruit. We are to love one another. We are his friends and covenant partners. Now, I'm looking here in the Amplified, and I like what it says on verse 11. I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be a full measure and complete and overflowing. Anytime I hear one of those verses about exceeding abundance yes. to the full, overflowing, I mean that's just the generosity of God that's available to us and we need to reach out and receive that and then let that blessing that flows to us also flow through us to others. Um, also in verse 15 the Amplified says but I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him so Jesus does reveal to us what we need to know and he'll guide us and direct us when we're praying in intercession <coughs> There is no hidden gospel with Christ. It's plain for everyone to see. He's not hiding anything from us. Well, well, I'm not in complete agreement with that. <laughs> there are a lot of people that um, read the scriptures, but they read it on a very superficial level. And you really need to seek his face. And you need to actually make an effort to go into the deeper understanding of what he's trying to reveal. Um, I don't think everybody does get everything that God uh, puts in the scriptures. I think you have to make an effort and that's why there are ver verses that say, seek my face, renew your mind. And um, that's done through studying and reading and, and uh, asking the Holy Spirit to give you the understanding. That's verse 8, and mm -hmm. so you prove to be my disciples. Mm -hmm. So only through the disciples do you actually get that full knowledge. But you also have to be open. Yeah, you, to have, to, you have to ask. You have ask, to ask for the understanding. Exactly. And then uh, he'll, he'll start revealing to you. With each teaching we, we go, aha. Yeah. It's like a revelation each time I read something and say, it took me a long time when it says, you know, um, your love in me and I, and my love in you. And I thought, whoa, that's just really uh, opened my mind to think, well, I love him, but I almost forgot that he loves me too, just me, you know, as well. It's an, and it's, it's I'm an in him and he is in me. I'm in him. It's if I have his DNA, I'm in him and he is in me. That's continuous action. Yes. Constant. So I can understand where he gets a little 
upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a continuous <laughs> journey, and it's a prog uh, process of continuing learning. You can never learn and know everything. You, you you just have to keep learning and learning and learning and working at it and and uh, sitting under anointed teaching and and sitting here with your Bible and talking to God and and asking the Holy Spirit for enlightenment and revelation. Well, in verse 13, no one has greater love mm -hmm. than to lay down his life. Now I mm -hmm. understand we're not to lay down. We don't need to lay down our life for. No, but he did the it. concept. It is did, finished. Yes, it's finished. It is finished. We don't need to be nailed up on the cross to celebrate Easter, and you know, right. Good Friday, um, like some cultures do. They have people that you know get themselves nailed to a cross to prove that they have enough love for Christ right. uh, to be worthy. But no, he Christ already did it. We don't have to do those things. Uh, he's the author and. But that's unconditional love for us. Unconditional. Doesn't matter what we do. It's a continuous. It's a. It's an active continuous verb. It never stops. No. And a lot of people question whether God, you know, took His love away or turned His face away, and say, "Oh Lord, why is this happening to me? Why are you turning your back on me?" No, He didn't. No, he He's didn't. always there. He's in you. Mm -hmm. He does not remove Himself from you. So it's Christ in you, you in Christ, the Holy Spirit in you, always guiding and directing. But you have to have your mind open to receive that. And that's where a lot of people fall short. They only go so far, and then that's it. Well, it's only because we have all of a sudden had a problem come up, and they think God for, you know, fought, forgot about us. But who knows how bad the problem would have been had God not been there to watch over us. Anyway. Right. And God so knows beginning yeah. to the end. That's right. He we already don't, has the answer. We're not omniscient. So, you know, things happen in the natural world. Yes. But, you know, that's we're here that we can intercede in that. Yep. If you look at verse 26, but when the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes and proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me, but you also will testify and be my witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. Yep. Now isn't that awesome? Yep. He knew me. Now but that's the Holy Spirit also there, you're saying in verse 26. Yeah, he's, the intercessors, our Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah, because it's the triune God, it's the three aspects of the one God. And Jesus functions as intercessor and, and the Holy Spirit uh, guides and directs us, us in our prayers and in our understanding. So, you know, the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to pray intercessory prayer through Jesus who stands in the throne room between us and God. He stands in the gap and connects us up together to get the answers to our prayer. And, you know, we've talked about this all year and now we're focusing specifically on intercessory prayer to help get people saved so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because every week 
Now we know there's there's at least one Sunday school class every week, and they say, and uh, we pray for salvation of our unsaved loved ones. Okay, well now that's where it ends in that class. How do you actually do it? How do you actually do intercessory prayer? Oh, let me see. We have to have a guide. Uh, yeah, and that guide is scripture. And so we need to learn how to pray on those specific scriptures about salvation. And I'm going to give you a handout today before you leave. <laughs> yeah, it helps having a guide of scripture to be able to accomplish things in prayer because as we've been learning, you can't just um, pray about something and not know what scriptures to pray with. See, that's the difference you know, between... as you line things up. That's the difference between throwing up a prayer of and hoping vanity, yeah. useless words, as opposed to praying God's promises about salvation and knowing God wants people to be saved. You have the authority to pray in intercession about that salvation and try to help things line up in the supernatural spiritual world that that person becomes born again. So this is what we're going to try to do. Um, you know, it, it does no good to cry to God, oh Lord, I wish my sister were saved. I don't really know if she is or isn't, but I want my sister to be saved. I want to see her in heaven. Please, Lord, save her. Well, he already laid the groundwork. It is finished, it is done. It's up to us to be the voice of intercession and do whatever else the Holy Spirit leads us to do in leading that person to the Lord. So, okay, I think I've voiced my opinion on that. <laughs> Based on the Word. Okay. Based on the Word. Based on the Word and what I have found yes. in this. Okay, uh, let's go to First Peter. Chapter 2. Let's see. Hebrews, James, and Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 2. First Peter. And then, Jill, would you read verse 9? Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 9. First, P First Peter, chapter... Two. Okay, verse 9. So this is going to tell you some more about your authority. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out, of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, the NIV says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That means you came, you went, came into covenant with him, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you came out of darkness into light through the grace, mercy, and loving kindness of God. And now you may petition for others to receive the same gift. Now isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. 
And what's interesting is that my my American standard says none of what you just said. Okay, what does that say? Let's read verse 10. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It says nothing about assuming authority. And I find that, that's why I find this amplified sometimes very useful to hear. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he says, says you're chosen, well, mercy. and you're a royal priesthood. If you're a royal priesthood, you have authority. Right. You have a kingly authority and a priestly authority, both. Mm-hmm. So you have the position, the power, the authority, the spiritual standing to petition others to receive those same gifts. Okay, what time do you have there? Uh, only about uh, nine after. Oh, okay. We can probably get this section finished. Okay, now let's go to Revelation 5. See, a lot of people think they're not good enough and they're hesitant to try to do anything like this. Oh, I could never lead someone to salvation. I can't talk to them about that. I don't know how to pray for them. I don't know if I'm good enough to pray for others to be born again. Well, well then you are don't. a royal priesthood. If you are born again, you, you are part of the royal priesthood. And you, you are good enough now. It helps to, to learn what the scripture says and learn how to pray effectively. Well, but you well, do have that authority. That's right. You do have your authority. And then it's amazing the doubt mm-hmm. that people have. I don't have. know if it'll work. What are they believing in mm-hmm. if they doubt their authority? What do you believe in? And what do you, you know? Well, okay, Revelation 5. Okay, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Okay, who's ready to read on that one? 5 through 10? Uh, six. 6 through 10. 6 through 10. And there between the throne and the four living creatures being and among the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin. I saw a lamb standing as, as though it had been slain, the seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, the seventh seven Holy Spirit, who has been sent on duty far and wide into all the earth. He then went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And we had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and 24 elders of the heavenly, no, I don't forget it now. Sanhedrin. Prostration, mm-hmm. prostrate themselves before the Lamb. Each was holding a harp, lute, or guitar, and they had golden bowls full of an incense, fragrant spices, and gums for burning, which are the prayers of God's people, the saints. And now they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to break the seals. And, and all on it, for you were slain, sacrificed with your blood. You purchased men unto God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom, royal race, and priests to our God. And they shall reign as kings over the earth. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> that is us. There's Jesus, the perfect, sinless lamb. And the only person 
worthy of breaking the seals on the scroll. Not just anyone can break those seals. It has to be the perfect sinless person. And that was Jesus. And Hitch talks about the altar with the golden bowls full of incense. With those bowls of incense are the prayers of God's people, the saints. The saints are the people who are born again. That's us. And we're in covenant now. And we are commissioned to do the work that Jesus would have us do. He started it, we're to, but he's now sitting on the throne at the right hand of God the Father, and he also stands in intercession for us. So he needs us to be down here on earth um, to pray for other people. And our prayers are up there all the time. They never dissipate. They never uh, go to nothing. Those prayers will forever be in the incense, on the bowl, in the bowls, on the golden altar. And we were be given a, uh, the authority by being kings. <coughs> that's the governmental authority, and priests. That's a spiritual position and we are to reign as kings and priests over the earth so there's where our entitlement is there's our authorities and intercessors and we stand in the gap between the unsaved and God okay any other uh, any comments about that Okay. Why would why would my book have an asterisk before verse nine that says they sang a new song? Why is there an asterisk before sang? It doesn't explain. Does any of your Bibles explain why there might be an asterisk before verse nine? They sang a new song. Now they sang. Mine says now. Now they, now sang. they okay. sang. And now they sing a new song. I don't know. But, uh, and that's, and that's all the, the angels, also. the living creatures uh, before the throne, the elders. And now, now, because Jesus is there now as the lamb, as the sacrificial lamb in heaven. Now, they are able, they are in a position, it is now uh, an official time of God. It's God's timing now that all those hosts of heaven are able and allowed to sing a new song saying to Jesus, you are worthy. That couldn't be done before. Now you are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals that are on it. For you were slain and sacrificed with your blood. You purchased men unto God. So that's, that's the official thing, decree up in heaven at that point. He purchased us with his blood and made us kings and priests. Any other comments, commentaries on that? Okay. Uh, let me just re uh, read Psalm 141. Verse 2, may my prayer be set before you like incense, that relates back to Revelation, 
This, this is uh, prophetic here. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. And then uh, I'll read, uh, let's, well, you can just flip to Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4. I'll read it out of the amp. Or do you want to, go ahead, Joe. And another it. angel came and stood over the altar. He had a golden censer, and he was given very much incense, fragrant spices and gums and perfumes that burned that he might mingle it with the prayers of all the people of God, the saints, upon the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, the perfume, arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God, the saints, from the hand of the angel. Okay, so wow. that, that, that repeats it. Yes. Okay. Um, let me find this. I went to my Dakes Bible, the Dakes Annotated Reference Bible, and it says the censer is connected with the high priest. You know, he goes in the Holy of Holies once yes. a year. He's the only one allowed to do it. And he has to follow a lot of laws in order to enter the Holy of Holies. And he always takes the, incense, the censer with him, filled with the incense. Okay, let me go to Leviticus 16. Verse 12, I'll just go ahead and read this. He shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the bronze altar before the Lord. So these uh, burning coals are from the sacrificial altar. And his two hands full of sweet incense beaten small. And this was a very special recipe known only by one family in those days and bring it within the veil into the Holy of Holies and put the incense on the fire in the censer before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the ark of the testimony lest he die and then I'm going to go back to Hebrews 9 verse 4 It had the golden altar of incense of the Ark of the Covenant covered over with wrought gold. This Ark contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron that sprouted and the two stone slabs of the covenant bearing the Ten Commandments. Incense is a symbol of prayer and um, this angel mentioned in these verses that we've read uh, may be Christ in his position as our as our high priest in heaven so that gives you something to think about How much time do we have? About seven, well, 12, 12 minutes till 11.30. So we have 12 minutes? Okay. 
according to Jewish writings, the method of preparing the incense was a secret guarded by a family called the Avtinas. And this family, selected by the Sanhedrin, knew the exact measurements and a mixture. And they also knew a family secret concerning, concerning a special herb used in the mixture called Ma'ala Ashan, meaning that which causes smoke to rise. This mysterious herb is said to have caused the smoke of the incense to rise in a straight pillar or column off the golden altar. And, and when you think about that, if you start a fire, the smoke doesn't go straight up in a column. It just kind of flows everywhere many times. But this incense went straight up, straight up to heaven. The family was given a chamber on the south side of the temple over the water gate called the Chamber of the of Tinas, and that's spelled A-V-T-I-N-A-S. It's a hard word to say. The family was criticized for not sharing their secrets with others in the temple. When asked why, they responded, our fathers passed on a tradition to us that one day the holy temple will be destroyed. We did not want to teach our secret so that it does not fall into the wrong hands, then be used for idolatry. Uh, the initial smoke of the incense would travel upward into the pre hands of the high priest and into the atmosphere. The belief was that all of the prayers from God's covenant people went to the temple over the golden altar, and once the incense was burned and formed the smoke, the words went up into the heavenly realm toward the temple in heaven. And then uh, I'll just read this too. In what is classified as extra-biblical literature, the gate of heaven is mentioned as being linked with prayer. In 1 Enoch chapter 9, verse 10, prayers go to the gate of heaven. And in the Apocrypha, uh, 3, the third Baruch, it is written that the gates of heaven are open to receive prayer, an idea also confirmed in the Testament of Adam. So there's a lot of extra, you know, literature outside the Bible that's been written, you know, by the rabbis to go into uh, the culture and the deeper spiritual meaning of this prayers, prayers of incense. And um, I have a whole lot more here, but I'll stop with that part. I thought that was very interesting, especially since I like, you know, herbs and stuff. And I thought they put a special herb in that, and that makes that go straight up to heaven. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's neat. Cute. It's just one of those little extra pearls that you can come across. So, who are the saints? Who are the saints? Right, it is us. Philippians 1, verse 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Let's flip to that quick. Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. One verse one. Yeah. Do you want to read that, Taylor? I don't have it. Okay. How about you, Jill? At all. One one. Yeah. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to all the saints, God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus, who are at Philipp Philipp Philippi, with the bishops, overseers, and deacons, assistants. Okay. So it's to all the saints. That's the important part. Yeah. To all the saints 
God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus. Who are, yes. So, the saints are the church. They are born-again believers who have received and declared Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Jesus made the saints to be priests in the service of God and has given them authority in the name of Jesus. All peoples are eligible to receive Jesus through his shed blood by individual choice and free will and confession of faith. And don't forget the thing, bond servants, because we had discussed this, you and I, at one point. Just a couple days ago. We about, about the that. difference between a bond servant and an actual servant. Mm-hmm. A bond servant chooses to remain and serve his master. Any other any comments? Now I'm going to go ahead and hand these out this week, and you can start looking over these sheets. But uh, the one side is God's promises, which we've been praying, concerning salvation, particularly of our children and grandchildren. And then the back is uh, verses uh, for breaking spiritual strongholds, and especially unbelief and pride. And these scriptures are particularly effective when you have someone who's an intellectual and they don't, you know, want to consider the spiritual. They want to be scientific. Or they're people that are very prideful and believe, well, I'm a self-made person. I can do it myself. I don't need any help. Well, uh, a lot of these people need a lot of help. And, you know, that fence of pride, that barrier of pride, that stronghold of pride needs to be broken down. And they need to have a humble and contrite heart and go before the Lord to receive his blessing and all that he has for them. So, uh, you can start looking these over and you can start praying them. You can personalize them. You can insert names of family, friends, neighbors, people that you know. Um, And you can, you know, you may see some verses that really jump out at you for particular people and just, you know, mark them. Do whatever you want to do. I have more copies if you need more copies. Uh, you know, if you have other people that want to stand in intercession with you, I can, you know, give you a couple more copies to hand out. But uh, if you really want to pray an effective prayer, this is what we need to do: is pray God's promises. Yes. And we so here's a handy list. Just put this <laughs> in your Bible and pray over these people. It's not good enough just to say, "God, please save my brother." Yes. No, pray these scriptures and put your brother's name in there. So, um, that's it. Good advice for me. Next week, we are going to start talking about how to pray in intercession. So, we'll have some very handy practical information. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.